I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun Who plays basketball, come to my smart house Meet my alien sister, don't come hungry Because I'll bet my mom can't Hello and welcome back to Mom Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast. I'm Luke Westaway and I'm joined by Andy Farrant. Hello, Andy. Still going on, is it? It's Yeah, still going on. Okay, well, fine. I'm, I'm here now, I suppose. Uh, I'm Andy. <laughs> I am also an enjoyer of DCOMs. And one DCOM that I know you enjoy so much is the Disney Channel original movie, Horse Sense. Horse Sense. God, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Hard to love. Coming November 20th, what happens when you take this city guy out of the city? Nice boots. Can't play cowboy without him, right? Horse Sense, a new Disney Channel original movie featuring Joey and Andy Lawrence coming November 20th. On Disney. You know, I'm really missing a great photo up here. Yeah, Horse Horse sense. I feel yeah. like your mouth does so much. You know what, like, horse listener? Sense. If you're listening to this podcast, already people think you're weird. So you may as well just try saying horse sense out loud just to get an appreciation for how mouth mangling right it is. Wherever you are in the queue for <laughs> airport security. Hey, look, if you're, if you're in the queue for airport security, just whisper it. Just, just whisper lock, eyes, it. lock eyes with the TSA agent <laughs> and whisper it. Whisper horse sense. And if you're lucky, they'll be like, hey, I love that movie. Or possibly, considering the fortunes of the actors in it, I was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you there is approximately zero chance that anyone who you say horse sense to will say, hey, I love that movie. Unless you're talking to Joey Lawrence mm-hmm. or small Joey Lawrence, whose real name is Andrew Lawrence. Andrew Lawrence. Okay, there we go. Right. Okay. We need to explain the Lawrence brothers. So this is one of two Disney Channel original movies featuring the Lawrence brothers. Mm. You might know Joey Lawrence, the eldest brother. He was in Blossom. He played Joey. Uh, he had a sitcom with Melissa Joan Hart called Melissa and Joey. But there were three of these brothers. There was Joey Lawrence, Matthew Lawrence, the middle brother. You might know as the boy from Mrs. Doubtfire. That was of him. Of course. Yeah. At and then the, the, the actual most famous one because yeah, he was in yeah, Mrs. Yeah, yeah. Doubtfire. He's not, in the, he's not in this one. No. But. He is in the other Lawrence Brothers film. And the youngest, uh, little Andrew Lawrence. Now, he was the most prolific in terms of DCOMs because he had several to himself. He had a wrestling one. He had one where he clones himself. The other me. The other me. Which has, actually, sidebar, been removed from Disney Plus since we watched it. Why? I have a theory. Okay. That the other me is about cloning. It is. And I think the suits at Langley... (laughs) <laughs> discovered discovered this film and they were like this is worryingly close to the actual US cloning program. You think someone bought this to to somebody at the CIA and was like, "Sir, you need to see this decom. It's worryingly close to our own research." They had to pull a bunch of like Superman comics in the in the 40s, I think, cuz they were getting like Superman was writing about all like atom bombs and stuff and the US government was like, "Hey, where did you get this info? And they're like, we're just making it up. Well, like, well, it's too close to reality. Get rid well, of it. If, if I was the head of the CIA and someone brought this to me, I would say, okay, one, yes, let's have it pulled from Disney Plus because it's too close. And two, you're fired for having knowing about this because you clearly you must have watched the other me on company time. Well, yeah. Who's paying for that Disney Plus subscription? Uncle Sam. Yeah. Uncle, <laughs> Uncle bloody Sam is who. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's the only reason I can think of for why they were taken in a wholly owned Disney movie off Disney Plus. But generally a frightening trend 
What are we yeah. going to do if they pull all the Disney Channel if original they, movies? If they pull Brink. I don't know what I'm going to do. We I'm march gonna... on Main Street, USA. <laughs> Who's with us? <laughs> Who's with us? You just yeah. need to pay £80 to get into the Magic Kingdom. And then, <laughs> and then we march onto the castle. And then we can go on Space Mountain. It'll be and a we fun say, day. look, we paid £80 to get in here. Isn't that enough to put Brink back on? <laughs> Please, can we have Brink? <laughs> just give us the master tape and we'll leave yeah so this is a this is a lawrence brothers joint there yes. are joey and andrew are in it oh uh, did you google the phrase by the way horse sense no is it okay. a phrase yes it is um, oh, okay. i googled it and it is a phrase and it basically means like common sense which makes okay. which makes sense in the uh, context of the plot of the film because it is about uh, a, a man who has little horse sense and ends the film with a wealth of it well yes but also the main business of the ranch in this film is cattle so it should be called cow sense (laughs) oh my god he's right (laughs) the um uh yeah horse sense (laughs) it's never gonna not sound weird it's about joey lawrence who is a spoiled beverly hills rich boy and he is visited by his down-home country cousin, uh, Andrew Lawrence, who comes to visit, and he gets roundly ignored for four days while Joey Lawrence has a great time. And Joey Lawrence's parents say he can't go on his much-anticipated trip to Europe unless he goes out to the Montana ranch where Andrew Lawrence lives and spends some time among real folks learning the real ways of horses and such. That is an extremely good summary. I think the subtext to Horsense is that it is a tale of immense self-loathing told by Hollywood <laughs> about how everyone in Montana is better than them. Yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, you know, this was ma- this it's a it's a movie, right? So it's a Hollywood movie ostensibly, uh, but it Hollywood is about types. it is about the vacuous and vapid pond scum mm-hmm. that live and work in Los Angeles and how everything they do is worthless and hollow and hollow and shallow yeah and meaningless i think the writers of this were going through something (laughs) you know you you pitch in another what you you scrape into the your creative works are being ignored this isn't how you pictured it when you were just a boy and you just see a a painting of a horse on a wall and you think there must be a better way well maybe it started different and then they they announced that joey lawrence was cast and also executive producing the film And this the narrative twisted. Is he executive producing the film? Did you not notice his executive producer credit? Okay, well, this explains all of the scenes where his enormous arm muscles are prominently <laughs> on display. All the characters are loudly admiring his muscles. <laughs> wow, how much can you bench, Mr. Lawrence? <laughs> well, let me break down my routine for you. This will be the next 15 minutes of film. Sorry, Mr. Lawrence, I just realised I called you Mr. Lawrence and I should have said um, Michael because that's your character's name in the film. Should we go for another take? No, that'll be fine. I'll be in my trailer doing crunches and curls if anyone needs me. So structurally, the first part of this parable, and I Mm. I think it is a parable, um, on par with anything you'd find in a religious text. Yeah, or Aesop's fables. (laughs) Is about Tommy, the little one, yeah. Um, going to Los Angeles. So should we talk about that? Should we talk about yeah. what it's like for Tommy in LA? Well, we need to, we need to start off by, and preface this by saying the mom in this film can cook, but that's because she lives on a ranch and she keeps it real. Okay, we okay. We will get into horses, but we have to talk about how we have shot ourselves in the foot 
very badly <laughs> by calling this podcast Mom Can't Cook, which I promise is a recurring trope. It's a real thing. In Disney Channel original movies, but the first three that we've covered feature mums that either are dead or smart houses or aren't, <laughs> aren't relevant or, or can cook. The next one definitely, we promise, will feature a mum that can't cook. Otherwise, we're going to start looking real bad out here, Luke. We've got to, we've got yeah. to like, find a mum that can't cook. I know. Fast. The next one absolutely has a nailed on mum who just whiffs it in the kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> on the regular. <laughs> on like the regular, yeah. And I promise if you stick with this podcast, you will realise, yes, it's a trend. It happens yeah. all the time. Luke and Andy were right. Luke and Andy are good. So we, we get a montage of how kind of down home country living these folks are. Yep. He's uh, the young boy whose Tommy. name is Tommy. Tommy. He's, he can't he, wait to help out around the house. Yeah, he loves it. He's whittling a whistle with a knife. He's wearing a little boy cowboy hat. <laughs> he He's... doesn't have to dress like that. No. There are no cowpoke enhancing powers to his sort of silly tucked in plaid shirt. I don't yeah, know. and he's in the, he's indoors. Mm. He doesn't need to have the hat on indoors. It's good protection yeah. if you're working the fields, I suppose. I think the context but... to all this, right, is that his 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 father has has sadly passed away, presumably yeah. run over by a hundred horses. Yeah. Um, I mean, they mention a sickness. I think it's implied that the sickness was being run over by a hundred horses. Mm-hmm. So he is like he's trying so hard to be the man of the house you despite know. being like nine i was looking for any sign in this film that tommy goes to school <laughs> <laughs> i think he he is of the school of life and he like he learns from the horses he's like a sort of mowgli figure but bagheera and shere khan and baloo are all horses yeah <laughs> like that's all very well, uh, Mrs. Tommy, but it is a legal requirement that he yeah. attend some form of school. Don't worry, because in the third act, there is a throwaway line that reveals that Tommy at least has been to school because he refers to some of his old school things. Right. That doesn't suggest he's still in school, but hey, <laughs> I think maybe this film is supposed to take place like across a halcyon summer, you know? Oh, Everyone's okay, out yeah, of that school. makes sense. Everyone, yeah, so I yeah. think that's what's going on. Do we ever see him read anything out loud? <laughs> <laughs> you want to test the literacy I'm wondering if he can read <laughs> No but we see him staring in angry confusion At several signs That's true The, w- the way the film opens is it, it contrasts the two characters mm. So we have the introduction yes. of Tommy yes. Who is down home country boy Loves to help Full of good intentions and love for his mother And his branch and his family And the natural world etc And then there's Michael We smash cut to Michael Who is being awoken by the world's strangest alarm clock. It's a TV with a, a mouth. The video in it. of a woman's mouth. Okay, Andy. Yes. Who lives the kind of life where you wake up at twelve fifteen in the afternoon, but also sets an alarm for then? Is it an alarm that he set, or is it a sort of ambient thing that's like, right, that's enough? That's what I kind of got from it. Because it's, I mean, it is. It's a video <laughs> of a woman's mouth saying time to get up over and over again. I assumed it was supposed to be a kind of rich people alarm clock. This is the bedroom of a rich person in a Disney Channel original movie, which means it's absolutely bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) It's got like racks and racks of free weights. It's got these like bubble tubes that sort of run from floor to ceiling and don't appear to have any function. Michael's whole house, I guess because it's a kid's film, right? So it has to be a sort of child's idea of what of how rich folks live so it's <laughs> like, mostly bubble tubes it's mostly bubble tubes and enormous stacks of vhs's like can you imagine greater riches than an entire room full of vhs tapes we're told that they have 
every movie because that you know there's a sort of industry hookup that the yeah. family has and there's a popcorn machine and how the uh, other half live eh yeah they've they've got it popcorn. all um we're told that joey lawrence is in school despite being what 35 years old <laughs> yeah right okay so is he in, he's not in high school because he's studying land trusts i think um, he's in college which is a extremely clumsy bit of foreshadowing yeah <laughs> so he must be in yeah college or something so his priorities are sleeping late uh, his own arms and yep. his girlfriend who is the daughter of a famous movie director the director of such films as lethal force tornado and tornado 2 <laughs> there's no subtitle for tornado 2 which i think is a missed opportunity <laughs> but yeah joey lawrence is sad i'm gonna keep calling him joey lawrence that's lawrence. fine uh, his dad is some sort of businessman. Should we call them Big Lawrence and Little Lawrence? Big Lawrence Just... and Little Lawrence is probably yeah. the the way of doing it, yeah. yeah. So Big Lawrence's dad is some sort of businessman. He's like, oh, good to see you're home for lunch between classes. He doesn't realise. Little Lawrence, does he know. Big Lawrence has slept till noon. Disgusting. We are given this kind of contrast between uh, the two attitudes that these yeah. sweet Lawrence boys have adopted. He gets a D on his paper as well. He's, yeah. And it doesn't stand for delightful reading, dude. No. Which is his guess. <laughs> what it, the D might mean. Um, yeah, the fact that he got a D on his Land Trust essay is going to become an enormous plot hole in the film's third <laughs> act. Uh, yes. But there's no need to rush ahead to that because who should show up? But of course it's Tommy. Now, sorry. Little Lawrence. Yes. Now, Little Lawrence and Big Lawrence, uh, they have spent some time together. They are cousins in this film. They had a great time at a family reunion that is talked about very fondly. Little Lawrence is coming to stay for uh, like a week or roughly a week, right? And as, and as... Four days, I think. Big Lawrence's parents, Little Lawrence's aunt and uncle... Yeah. say oh yeah we're so sorry that we can't be here but that we have to do this thing in palm springs like reschedule what the yeah. boys the boy you can move the boy's schedule he's got to help his mom on the ranch but if you got called away to a thing in palm springs yeah and your nephew was supposed to be coming to stay with you you'd be like well i'm so sorry but we have to reschedule or cancel you coming to stay with us because from a childcare perspective the idea of having little lawrence come and basically just stay in the house by himself for four days under the stewardship of none other than your shiftless big mm. Lawrence son. I think they don't understand what a piece of shit their son is. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't because they're incredibly surprised at his yeah. bad behaviour. So they think it'll be fine. But yeah, the, the, young, the young Lawrence arrives and he's mm. waiting at the airport and um, Joey Lawrence, the eldest Lawrence, is late yeah. to pick him up. Yeah, he's... It, okay, so he's on campus... And on campus, Big Lawrence says to his girlfriend, Gina, whoa, I was supposed to be at the airport 30 minutes ago. Now, Andy, we both know LA traffic. If you were supposed to be at the airport 30 minutes ago... You're at a campus university, yeah. so you're, you're nowhere near. Nine, at least 90 minute drive, possibly two hours. That little boy is with the police. And also, he's, stand, he's standing there on his own outside the airport in his little cowboy hat and his little cowboy shirt tucked into his jeans and he's yeah. hooked his thumbs through his belt loops. <laughs> Just to <laughs> make sure everyone's first impression of him is a tiny cowboy <laughs> it's a tiny cowboy i mean possibly if he put a hat down people would give him money he's he's like a you could get a photo op a tiny <laughs> that's cow- true it's like the Times square naked cowboy this is the lax tiny cowboy go on stand next to him get a you'll photo. look big and not a cowboy joey lawrence's priorities are clearly spending time with his girlfriend who they've only been dating for a short period of time so they're mm. still in that sort of honeymoon 
phase and he doesn't yeah. want little Lawrence coming in, you know, ruining things. Gramping so style. he's just like, I'm going to stick you in the movie room. We've got every movie you could possibly want. And then to illustrate that, he turns on the television and it's playing Brink, oh. which is the best Disney Channel original movie. I mean, when we watched this for the first time, I think we both physically leapt to our feet. <laughs> Punching the air in triumph. I believe it's Val from Brink, isn't it? And he's just yeah, he's, he's like doing sick moves, midair, just doing the most sick stunts, and you're yeah. just like, wow. So we we get a, a kind of montage of the neglect of little Lawrence yeah. at the hands of Joey Lawrence. He's uh, he's being looked after. There is a maid, so he's not just sort of roaming the house on his own. The maid is yes. delighted to cook real food for a non-douche. Arlene is the maid. Yeah, she makes him sort of bacon and eggs and pancakes and all sorts of hearty and, food. And he these... cooks for her. This is the way yeah. my mum makes it. Because these Hollywood phonies would never. Out here in Montana, we do things a little different. Yeah, we we cook our food. Maybe it's old fashioned. Maybe it's it's kind of silly <laughs> in this modern world. But hey, if that's old fashioned, well, then yeah. I guess I'm old fashioned. <laughs> Spiralized courgette? Not for me, thanks. <laughs> I'll take a good home home fries and a country steak. I'll eat courgette the way my daddy did and his daddy before him, <laughs> raw out of the earth, <laughs> out of the house, the mouth of a mad horse that stole it. <laughs> Yeah, he's keeping himself busy while Joey Lawrence uh, runs around after his girlfriend. He's roping statues yeah. in the yard. He's playing soccer on his own. He's watching Brink. Now, obviously, little Lawrence doesn't get to do anything around LA, including go to Disneyland, um, which I think is pretty sad. But do you think there's an argument to say that that he's actually having like the best time possible in LA? I was thinking about, about this and how I would react to a holiday where I was left alone in a giant mansion with a cinema room full of yeah. movies. And yeah, a te- tennis courts, radio-controlled boats. Yeah, swimming pool with a radio-controlled boat. And I would... A I'm, chef. It would have been easily the best holiday I ever went on as a child. Yeah, you would say, well, this is tremendous news because now I don't have to drive anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And um, Joey Lawrence does feel bad about not taking him to Disneyland mostly because he gets bollocked by the maid yeah he's like he wakes up at his normal time and he says today we're going to Disneyland now <laughs> Twelve fifteen. well he wakes up if he wakes I'm op- up at I'm opening google maps he's all right he's had to shower he's had to do his hair he's had to get dressed it's got it's easily 1 p.m by the time he walks into the kitchen and announces 1 that p.m that's the is day. generous but yes let's go with that um we don't know where in Beverly Hills he lives do we so let's no, just, just of... put put the Beverly Center as a kind of central yeah location what day is it it's a tuesday isn't it yeah that's actually the day we're recording so if i look at traffic now actually if i look at traffic now half six in the uk time yeah it's going to be pretty close to the traffic that they would be facing well i mean this is traffic from 1999 i don't know how different traffic was back then is there a historical traffic data (laughs) website we can pull up traffic data yeah geohub.lacity.org has um yeah, How long would it take you in 1999 to drive from Beverly Hills to Disneyland? They've got all the they've got all the facts and figures, um, and it's all public and searchable, but also complicated to look at. All right, so let's just go with it as to... let's call it an hour. Best case, an hour's drive. Okay, so then you've got a park. The point I'm trying to make is that you have not given yourself enough time to have a good day at Disneyland. No, and this is this is 1999, which is the year that Fastpass launched. Okay, it launched late 1999, and even if it had launched, I don't think Joey Lawrence would be engaged enough 
with the marketing to no. have embraced the fast pass system. That's not the impression I get. Best case scenario, they're, they're in the door two thirty after that's, they've parked. That's three optimi- o'clock. after they park. I reckon they're through the gates three p.m. Three p.m. Got to remember, little Lawrence has little legs as well. You know, he's not striding purposefully like we would. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, they've set themselves up for the worst Disney's day ever, basically. Yeah. But the, the fact is, they never make it to Disneyland because he gets... Big Lawrence gets a call from his girlfriend. Her dad's mm. in town. He wants uh, he wants them to come to the to the racetrack and hang out. So yep. he dumps uh, little Lawrence at the Kitty Corral, the soft play area. He eventually makes it back and... Uh... He gets involved in a, a car accident, which is basically, you know... His fault. He's rushing. He's clumsy, and he fails. Well, he's aware that him. he's missing the best part of the Disney day. So exactly, yeah. I mean, I would have just said that to the woman. Yeah. I said, look, it's four p.m. Fast Pass is not a thing I'm aware of. <laughs> Fast Pass is nascent technology at best. Fast, Fast Pass is nascent. <laughs> nascent. <laughs> Incidentally, can I can I just say I they her dad is a movie director and yep. uh, I like how they visually represented movie director in this film. It's a, a bearded man wearing a silk ascot yeah. tie, and he says, "Looks like you picked another winner." That's yeah, I mean, talks. file under the deep self-loathing that horse <laughs> sense exudes uh, from its. Look every at this pore. asshole, everyone! He directs movies. Yeah, this film hates films, hates that it's a film, hates where films are made. Okay, so. I, I think at this point we can sort of move on to the part where, as punishment... Oh, no. No? I don't think so. <laughs> no, can we? Okay. No, I think we need to talk about the fact that <laughs> Joey Lawrence drives to the children's soft play area, runs in screaming, and then climbs <laughs> oh inside... Oh, my God! Of course! <laughs> climbs inside the children's play structure as an adult man who was not there with an accompanied child. He runs straight in, launches inside it, and then has some kind of medical episode um, while he's there, which is sort of indicated with the screen going all wibbly-wobbly. <laughs> like, being in a soft play is not that overwhelming to the senses. I think he's mm. got there's something wrong with his heart or something. I, I think we have to assume that um, him and his girlfriend's dad were doing cocaine at the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, we have to. Well, you know, horse tranquilizers at the track or something. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, he falls down a slide, sort of crumples to the ground as if dead yeah. and then you know the woman who runs the world's least secure kiddie zone is like oh yeah that mm-hmm. kid left someone that called and left. said can I that help yourself can... to another one if you want <laughs> I, I obviously don't care about children's safety because I let this raving man in off the street I can't believe we missed we nearly missed the bit I mean yeah. I, I think it, it's it's the film panicking and rightly so that it's gone this far without anything funny happening yeah so well I mean and yeah. then he, he does finally catch up with little Lawrence who's heading to the airport yeah. And he says, I was at the races. And Andrew Lawrence, he says, oh, that's bad. They abuse the horses. And then Joey Lawrence says that you can't abuse horses. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's a bold, what a a bold stance to take for someone who owns several horses. Um, yeah, and then uh, little Lawrence is like, oh, if you ever make it out to Montana, I'll be sure to return the favour in a very ominous fashion. Ominous is right, because Big Lawrence is sentenced to a month's free unpaid labour on the Little Lawrence farm. So he's off to Montana. Yeah, to, he arrives. To um, live real. He seems to He seems to fly there in a private jet. It's a um, little, little twin, twin prop plane. Now, yeah. I think probably what that's meant to imply is where they live is so remote that he took a regular plane somewhere and then he had to get a smaller plane to a local airfield. Right. 
Okay. He's dressed like a professional gambler, I yeah. would say. He's wearing a leather blazer, <laughs> a big, wide-brimmed black Stetson, and these incredibly elaborate Italian leather cowboy boots. I feel like at this point, the, the film starts to make some serious missteps, because what it wants is for us to think, look at this vapid, shallow la man with dressed like an absolute casual with his Mm. stupid style over substance footwear and hat however i'm of the opinion that the film goes way too hard on big lawrence (laughs) Lawrence. everybody he meets in montana is horrible to him yeah right so like straight off the plane people are being rude to him they're looking it up and down did you spot the cameo from middle lawrence yes so this is this is such a strange moment. So he's dressed in all his like black leather and cowboy hat and stuff, and a a, lo- a local dressed in a sort of cut off denim shirt and a cowboy hat walks past him and gives him what I what I think in the script must have been <laughs> written as a sort of appraising look as he takes in this city slicker and then he shoots him a look as if to say you won't last a minute out here in Montana, kid. But the way that Matthew Lawrence, the middle brother, plays this look is extremely sexual, I would say. He looks him up and down and all but sort of bites his lip. It's just a very odd scene of a a, a cameo of the middle Lawrence brother basically eye-f***ing his elder brother and then walking off. Okay. It's not the Lawrence brothers' fault. And the reason I can say that with certainty is because I have a note later in the film that due to a filmmaking error, it very much makes it look at a certain point in the film like Big Lawrence has fallen romantically in love with (laughs) Little Lawrence. So, like, this keeps happening, and I don't think it's the Lawrence brothers' fault. I think it's the fault. I can can fully see it, like, the stage direction be, like, Matthew looks him up and down and... Shakes yeah. his head as if to say, good luck, city boy. I bet after he did that scene, Matthew was like, can we do that again? I feel like I it was a bit flirty by accident. And the director's like, no, 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 we got it. I think we, I think we got it. It's in the can. I'd, I'd like to do another one. We've run out of film. There's no more, There's no more film, I'm afraid. To burn the film <laughs> so everyone in Montana is actively unpleasant to Big Lawrence. Yeah. He gets um, in the car with his aunt and little Lawrence and he says, is there anywhere around here I can get a latte? Yeah. And she says, oh, you won't find coffee here in Montana. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. The big, big man. City boy the... wants coffee with milk in it. It's called milk coffee. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think they'll do you a soda at the diner. Does the yeah. diner not do coffee? I reckon the diner probably does coffee. When he meets the farmhands who work on the ranch, who are called Twister and Mule, Twister mm. grabs his hands and looks at them and is like, these hands, have, you've never worked a day in your life. At this point, I would just point out, he's there for a month and he's working for free. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. And actually, that was the point where my sympathies swung like a compass needle. Uh, like To Big Lawrence. To Big Lawrence. Because, mm. yeah, everyone is quite unpleasant to him. You ain't work much, have you? Uh, Twister's the backbone of the ranch here. And I don't know what we'd do without Mule. There's some nice boots you're wearing. Thank you. Thanks. They're Italian... Weather. Does that mean the cows moo with an accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that means they're uh, high quality and expensive. Yeah? Boots are boots to me. Well, we do also discover at this point in the film that the ranch is in quite serious financial distress as well. So they're yeah. going through some stuff. It's implied that what they're going through 
is nothing of their own making, right? It's a sort of the economic pressures of the agricultural industry in the USA. It's hitting yeah. all these ranches. He's, you know, he's trying to ingratiate himself without having none of it. I think, he's you know what? I th- considering this is a punishment, I think he goes there with a real good attitude, actually. He's like, he's he's affable, he's friendly. He's ready to, ready to work. I mean, you know, not early in the morning, but, no. you know, in principle, he's ready to roll up his sleeves and yeah. earn his trip to Europe. The girlfriend still doesn't get it. She phones him up and is like, oh, we're all going to Aspen, are you coming? And he's like, I can't, I've just arrived in Montana. And then to sweeten the deal, <laughs> she says... But we're staying at Kevin Costner's house, which probably seemed more appealing in 1999. Than it <laughs> also, then later in the film, there's a Dances with Wolves reference that Gina makes. So Gina like has Cosner on the brain. Can we talk? I think we. I think I would like to devote a whole <laughs> section to the to the pranks, the various goofs and spoofs okay, that, that they fine. play on Big Lawrence. I have one note about the breakfast scene. And then we can move on. Okay. Joey Lawrence says, I've never seen eggs that colour. The eggs are white and yellow. Yeah, right. They're the colour of normal eggs. That made me do some Google searches to try and figure out, like, were eggs a different colour in the 90s? If you don't... (laughs) Okay. My parents used to keep a few chickens, right? So... In our garden when in I was younger. your home, home down, home style ranch. Exactly. Where you, li- yeah. you lived the old way. I lived the old way on the Westaway Ranch. So, you know, we would sometimes go in and have eggs. And those eggs were laid fresh that morning for breakfast. And they looked exactly the same as the ones you get in the supermarket. <laughs> and and they said, that's, what, that's the colour eggs are supposed to be if the chickens haven't eaten anything phony. I think maybe, maybe it's it's a reference to, you know how um, eggs in America are white and eggs that yeah. are over here are brown. Yeah. And they're, they're white because like they get washed off or something in a, in a factory. But he's yeah, he's looking maybe, at a cooked egg at this point. Yeah, right. He's, he's, or hang on, maybe the script suggested he would be looking at an egg in its shell, but on the day they were like, damn, we already cooked them yeah. all. We've got damn. no eggs in the shell yeah. left. And I used all the film up on that Matthew Lawrence look. Yeah, you so. don't see the eggs that he's looking at. So it's possible that when he looks down at the eggs, they're like luminous green. And you and I, Andy, <laughs> city slickers, have also never seen the colour that eggs are supposed to be. You and I have never done a hard day's work on a ranch in our lives. Yeah, look at my soft hand. Do these look like the soft hands of someone who knows the real colour of an egg? <laughs> you make me sick. You and your turkey bacon and your lattes. Your coffee yeah. with milk in it. No wonder Twister is like, God, I can't believe I, yeah. you, you'll come here to work for free for a month. Yeah. I can't wait to drive a fence post through your throat <laughs> in a fight in the ranch later. The ranch is in considerable financial distress, as we've discussed, but maybe they should have taken on some sponsors. Yeah, maybe, right. Maybe that would have saved the ranch. You ever think of that? No, you didn't, because you're, you're all about horses, and if you'd maybe listened to some of the big city ideas, you could have saved the ranch, idiots. Did they even think about going to insert coin, the people who make cool official clothes and other stuff based on the video games you love, and saying, hey, do you want to sponsor our ranch? I'll wager they didn't, Andy. Um, mm. Because if they had done, they would have found uh, insert coin, <laughs> and I, I think I can speak for them on this: willing to sponsor any ranch or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they've got they've got t-shirts and clothing based on all of your favourite video games, none of which were around in 1999. No, but... well, some of them were Doom. They've got Doom, uh, Doom hey. range. Doom. Can you imagine working the ranch in a in a cool Doom hoodie? You don't have to imagine if you go to insertcoinclothing.com and buy some of their cool Doom clothes and then go work on a ranch. I guess that's the <laughs> hardest step. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a multi-stage process. But you'll yeah. get there. If you go to www.insertcoinclothing.com, you can use our code main feature 
M-A-N-E-F-E-A-T-U-R-E to get 20% off online orders, not including bundles, charity items, gift cards, or postage, or ranch-saving purchases. <laughs> uh, each code is one use per person, and they'll be valid until the end of 2022, so get on it. And that gives you plenty of time to get a cool video game t-shirt and try to put it on a horse. Yeah. Fundamentally, being a mammal, the horse does sort of have arms and a head yeah but it's a lot harder than it sounds <laughs> it's one of the one of the requirements to become a rancher it's like you can stay on it if it's bucking you know like all the medical problems a horse can have and finally you got to put a t-shirt on a horse thank you insert coin for sponsoring mom can't cook cool official clothes based on the video games you love and again they will put clothes on any horse and sponsor any ranch absolutely Little Lawrence has a sadistic streak, I think. It's true to say he feels slighted by his experience in Los Angeles, and now it's payback time, and he's going to take it out of Joey Lawrence's ass. You know what? He's, he's going through a hard time. He's going through a hard time. He's lost his father. Yeah. He was trampled to death by a hundred horses. But uh, frankly, there's no excuse for the kind of BS that he pulls on the regular. Okay, mm. prank number one. Uh, he lets him believe that it's okay to stay up late. N- knowing full well that he's going to have to get up at like half four in the morning okay getting up at half four in the morning is fine but how does he wake him up he bangs a, a triangle a triangle next to his head who has yeah. a triangle it's for it's for waking up joey lawrence he ordered it special <laughs> <laughs> sent away to the catalog he had twist to help him smelt it yeah <laughs> so he's he's miserable and tired yeah. And then the first task that he gives him is to move a load of manure. So it's got to go from one place to another. Yeah. And he leads him to the pile of manure where there is a shovel and some gloves. And he says, well, you'd better get started. Now, <clears throat> in that situation, I think you would be entirely forgiven for thinking, OK, I need to use the shovel to move the manure, which for Joey sure. Lawrence does. For it's sure. probably the longest manure shoveling scene in any decom. Uh, it takes a long time. Joey Lawrence at several points falls over and gets manure in his mouth and eyes. <laughs> yeah, and is menaced by an angry bull that is just <laughs> yeah, nearby. And then uh, the twist, the prestige here, the reveal, <laughs> is that there was a tractor <laughs> behind a shed nearby that he was supposed to use that no one told him about or taught him how to use. It's heavy farming equipment. You can't just get on and guess how it goes. Yeah, right. Shown. How's about this for a prestige? If you needed the manure 10 feet away, why not stack the manure (laughs) there to begin with? He's like, how am I supposed to move it? And little Lawrence is like, I don't know, you're the one who goes to college. And it's like, okay, well, how about this? From my college education, put the manure here instead of there, because it's just the other side of the bullpen. And then when someone comes to pick up the enormous pile of manure, you won't have had to move it around. You're, you're doing a lot of unnecessary manure moving. But this way, um, Big Lawrence gets manure in his eyes and mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> Which true. I think was the actual real end goal. And God knows what that bull, you know, has in oh, its yeah. stomach that it's passing on because this bull isn't eat- eating anything phony that would... It's eating eggs that are the real colour. You know the one. <laughs> <laughs> to look upon it is to lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> the colour out of space. <laughs> Yeah, next prank. He's yeah. like, oh, let's get on horses and go for a ride. I thought you could ride this horse. And then he points to a rubbish looking horse. Yeah. And knowing full well that Joey Lawrence's hubris mm. will cause him to select a better looking horse. Mm. And right in his eye line, he has placed a horse that they've called Black, which yeah. is a violent and aggressive, insane horse. <laughs> 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 Big Lawrence tries to ride. 
before he is immediately bucked into the pen of the bull and almost gored and killed to death by it. Yeah, he could have been killed in so many different ways. Also, mm-hmm. that horse, um, I think, what's it called? Slingshot, the one who mm-hmm. is the one who's like really skinny and old, looks really skinny and old. It just made me remember Little Lawrence's line about how horse racing is animal abuse. He talks a big game about animal cruelty, but then his ranch brands their cattle which is a practice i believe has been outlawed due to its cruelty hot uh, hot iron branding is illegal in the uk but i don't think it's illegal uh, in the us although there are um alternatives like high-tech alternatives like tags in ears yeah like other kinds of brand i i ended up doing like quite a lot of research uh, <laughs> uh, into cattle branding this this film i would that's how on big lawrence's side i was i was googling <laughs> whether whether this, this ranch was a, this was a winning point against I'm, the younger yeah lawrence. i'm looking for any ammunition against these ranching bastards you know <laughs> like i just want to i was, i'm like i've got to take them down on the podcast prank number four is quite similar to the manure prank in a way mm-hmm. big lawrence is asked to move a number of fence posts onto <laughs> the bed of a truck it's like a professor layton puzzle or something <laughs> <laughs> like, so, so convoluted and it's one of, one of the really annoying ones where you're like oh the actual answer was a secret pixel in the corner of the screen that you missed he loads all of these fence posts onto the truck and then you know the all of the ranchers ride up and like hey you stupid idiot didn't you know that truck doesn't even run you were supposed to put him in this equally beat up looking truck that's hidden from view. This hidden around the corner, you clown. I'm beginning to see why this ranch is failing. <laughs> it's inefficient practices. They're too busy devising cruel pranks for the city slicking mm. Big Big Lawrence. Anyway, Big Lawrence is having a terrible time. He's miserable. Yeah. He's tired. He's been worked to the bone and pranked super hard. What you know what I couldn't stop thinking about, like during this whole middle section of the film, is like it would just be so choice if he got to the ranch and he could do it all oh, man. really well. I mean, he's got big muscles. Yeah, like if he could do, if he just was a natural and he just picked it up better than Twister and better yeah. than Mule. And they were like, oh, I guess you want to ride this horse. And he just he, he just got on Black Lightning and rode Black Lightning easily. Yeah. You know? And then he was like, oh, I've um, I've identified several holes in your accounts that would easily fix your financial problems. Yeah, um, but I'm not going to tell you them. Yeah. I'm going to go to Europe. Bye. And then he rides Black Lightning off into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happens. What happens is that he starts to appreciate life on the ranch. Yeah. His uh, his aunt is sitting out on the porch. Oh, and he, yeah. says, he says, what are we looking at? And she says, God's painting again. And he says, what? which i think is is a fair (laughs) reply to that statement (laughs) sorry there's quite a lot of lead in our water (laughs) she turns her head slowly like an owl locks eye contact and says god's painting again (laughs) he looks down she's turning a crucifix over and over in her hand shredded the fingers blood is pouring through them But yeah, and then she starts pouring her heart out about the kind of problems that they're having. And then she turns to him and he's fallen asleep, (laughs) which is (laughs) such a wild thing to do in that situation. I know. So I think the the lowest point that he experiences, right, before he decides to turn his act around is the moment where he's out on the ranch. He's on wolf watch, (laughs) right? Yes. They put this inexperienced rancher who can't ride a horse properly they send him out to be first watch for wolves 
can we read this as an assassination attempt? I mean, I think so. Um, then Gina phones him, which he's not mm. expecting, and the ringing of his phone causes the cattle to stampede. Mm-hmm. And in an absolutely wild move, Big Lawrence is running from the cattle and reflexively uses his cell phone to, to call 911 <laughs> <laughs> and calls the, the police on the cows, even though <laughs> we know that the rest of the ranches are within earshot. There's been a criminal stampede. These cows must be arrested. You need to, you need to come here and shoot all these cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's a that's a weird thing to do, but it's all it's all up from here, right? Because well, yeah, they have yeah. The, him and Little Lawrence have an enormous row. Um, <laughs> Did you after... write down what Little Lawrence says in that enormous row? Uh, not word for word, no. I did because I really loved it. He says, "There's nothing about you I like or respect." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Can't believe I used to wish you were my brother. There's nothing about you I like or respect. Yeah, no, I do remember that. Now that you mention it. However, Big Lawrence has decided uh, that he actually wants to save the ranch from its financial dire straits. And look, you know, he's a business major. He's got a plan, and that plan is a pyramid scheme. <laughs> That's such an amazing. They they smash cut from him talking to his dad and saying he's going to find a way to save I've the ranch. I've got to do the right thing and save this ranch. <laughs> to him pitching a pyramid scheme to bloody Twister. So you see, Twister, I put in fifteen hundred dollars, and you put in fifteen hundred dollars, but we get a cool million. Oh man, it's so choice the way it just. He still doesn't get it, but th- this is just after he has a, a long conversation with. Andrew Lawrence about the wild horses that live on their property. Yes, these are the uh, a herd of wild horses. He's named all of them. He loves them. He, very special to him and his dad. He says that uh, my dad always used to say that wild horses bring us good luck. Guess he was wrong. That was the point at which I assumed that his father's cause of death was being kicked to death by a wild horse, <laughs> run but... over by a hundred horses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, no cause of death is given. No. When they say he was sick. Yeah, I would be sick if I was run over by a hundred horses. Yeah, he was on his deathbed. for He lingered. Yeah, That's the problem when you're stampeded. <laughs> you can live for weeks. <laughs> if it's a gut wound. It's gut stampeding. But yeah, so he's uh, his current plan is a pyramid scheme. Yeah. It's not working out. But he, do, he does feel bad for the family. He wants to help in any way he can. And one way he decides he can help is by finishing the treehouse that um, oh, yeah. Tommy and his dad were working on. Mm. Um and that he wants to get finished before they have to move out of the house. So showing a previously unhinted at talent for carpentry. Yeah, right. He flawlessly finishes this treehouse, at which point uh, Tommy returns home, flies into a <laughs> rage and kicks it to pieces. I have a note here that um, I don't think it was supposed to be as funny as it is. <laughs> watching little Lawrence fly into a rage and kick down a treehouse. He's <laughs> like... With his little legs, he's sort of kicking out. He's like pulling the he's, bits of wood off, and he's he's still dressed down. as the famous LAX tiny cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> Watching it, him go buck wild on this treehouse, it's, it's is pretty. Pro- I think it's supposed to be the most emotional scene in the film, but um, yeah. it is unfortunately pretty pretty funny. As these scenes play out, we are kind of getting in a sort of broken montage. Big Lawrence generally improving his attitude, uh, learning to work the farm, learning to work the land. Learning to hate his LA girlfriend. Exactly. She's like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to be there. He's so five minutes ago, which is rich 
coming from someone who's acting in a film with Joey Lawrence. Yeah, it all. I mean, it's like, come on, Gina. Like, way to way to date your comments there, yeah, because exactly. like Leonardo DiCaprio is going to go from strength to strength to strength. <laughs> so you look Oscar-winning like a, actor. Leonardo you look DiCaprio. like an idiot now. Yeah. How many Oscars do you have? One for horse sense. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the. The sort of the big turning point for their relationship is when they rescue a horse that's oh, trapped in Oh, thank God. Thank God we're finally talking about it. The, quick, the quicksand mud. The wild horse Tommy boy is going to die. That's the promise. You just gotta get him out of there, Michael. Wild horses stress really easy. They could die from it. Okay, all right. But I'm gonna go out there. No, let me. I'm lighter. All right, just be careful, okay? Oh, well. And then they get there, and I don't think Tommy Boy's gonna die. I think Tommy Boy's sort of lying down in a puddle. <laughs> Tommy Boy's sort of up to its up to its knees or whatever the horse equivalent yeah. of your shoulders is in mud. Is stressed out, and I guess this is why they emphasise that wild horses can die of stress, which, from an evolutionary point of view, feels like <laughs> feels like a misstep. Yeah, we had to let the wild horses finish trampling Dad to death because otherwise they might have died of stress. <laughs> Once they've started, you have to let them you finish. You have to let them finish. I had to st- And it took them a long... It took them days. Dad, Dad would keep getting up and it looked like he was getting stuck. The thing is, Dad, he was a he was a real old pro rancher. He knew that they had to finish as well. So he he took it all on the chin. He, he literally. Laid, he lay down and unbuttoned his shirt. <laughs> to give their hooves free access. <laughs> hey, Tommy Boy. He drew a little X on his chest. He said, hey, Tommy boy, here's my heart. Stop it with your hooves. Go inside and help mum, your mum with the dinner, son. <laughs> I don't want you oof, to see this. Ah! Okay, yeah, so, so so the two of them do rescue Tommy boy. And here's where I have my notes that the editing of the film goes absolutely buck wild for a few minutes um i know how how else to to describe it but the way that little lawrence rescues the horse he's like massaging the horse it's all in slow Mm -hmm. motion there's this sparkly instrumental thing playing which is it is just cinematic shorthand for these people are falling in love (laughs) right and like Big Lawrence, he's like looking at him significantly, and then it cuts to as you know these kind of slow mo shots of horse massaging, and it's very romantically edited. And the horse is—it's a wild, untamed horse that is yeah. symbolic yes. of a kind of wild, untamed relationship. Th- this is a scene straight out of a you know a, I, a, a period drama, a bodice ripper. You know, I feel uh, like maybe the the screenwriter had this scene in like a different script, which was a rom com. Yeah. And they're like, ah, oh, this film's coming in at like forty-two minutes. We need, we need <laughs> yeah. horse. I've got a scene about a horse. Yes, yeah. it's, it's set on a farm. We'll just like, I'll yeah, simply just replace, replace the, uh, you know, the well-to-do uh, city bell and the um, the lusty rancher, ranch <laughs> the <gang>. lusty rancher, <laughs> with, with these two cousins. <laughs> It'll be fine. Then things get weird because in the next scene, immediately after this. Uh, Big Lawrence is going home he's in the car little Lawrence rides up alongside and gives him the whistle as Mm -hmm. a symbolic sign that they are now best friends and then in an extremely oddly edited sequence it starts flashing to the racetrack it was not clear to me that we were flashing forward in time again it's edited like a flashback to the previous scene with the horse race I thought that Big Lawrence was having some kind of revelation, like a twist, 
like he looked at the horse that little Lawrence was riding and was going, <gasps> I've seen that horse. I know this horse. Like, yeah. Do you know what no, I mean? He, Something yeah, was happening. He has, a, he has a change of heart and decides that he wants to stay and save the ranch. But he has it like three days later in Los Angeles. You know what? That's that's basically it, right? That's that's yeah. at the root of why this scene is odd. Because yeah, and and he has it because he's he's at the races, at the horse races, and he sees a horse bucking and, and being whipped and going wild. And even though the horse's jockey is right there, yeah. And look, maybe it's animal abuse to race horses, but I reckon the jockeys know how to calm them down. Yeah, but no, they don't know like a Montana rancher who has magic horsepower. So. Yeah, who's been doing it for like three weeks or whatever. Yeah, so he steps in all Chris Pratt in Jurassic World, like yeah, and he's like whoa with his open palm extended. Whoa, no one's no one's hey. no one's gonna hurt you, boy. Hey, hey, boy. Hey, come on. hey, come I've on. done three weeks of ranching. I've got horse sense. Yeah, I've got a ho- no horse sense. I've got two words. Horse no horse, horse no. sense. Horse sense. Look, can't just calm down, all right? Horse sense. <laughs> So he uses his horse whispering abilities to calm his horse down and he realises, this isn't the place for me. I belong in Montana. So what does he do? He kisses Arlene, the maid, um, sensually on the cheek, which is weird, uh, and packs up to go back to Montana. Yeah, he lick- despite being told that his cousins are too proud to accept money, he sells his Porsche and liquidates his trust fund and then tries to give them money. Why? Aren't they accepting the money? Is it just basically like halfway through the writers realised they had a massive problem here because they had introduced a farm in trouble and a character from an extremely wealthy family? (laughs) (laughs) But the problem is they're A, too proud to accept the money and B, the ranch itself is a terrible investment because it's a financial (laughs) black hole. Yeah, that's true. So he liquidates his trust fund and goes back. It's like, I want to invest in this ranch. I really believe you can do it. And I I will say at that point, I thought she was going to take the money and he would stay and, you know, make a return on his investment. But credit to the film, the the ranch mom is like, no, I can't stress this enough. This ranch sucks so yeah. bad. You would not get your money back. It's a very bad ranch. We're going to lose the ranch and it'll be sad, but we'll land on our feet somehow. And little Tommy will probably be all sad and have a terrible life and have major problems. Yeah. And you're like... There's 12 minutes left in this film. Like, <laughs> they're going to turn this around pretty quickly. We're heading into Act 3 yeah. now. I would say, obviously, as well, uh, Big Lawrence goes out, out to the car and he tells Gina, who's waiting there, you know, in the fancy car, Gina, I'm not coming with you to Europe. And obviously what this is supposed to do is show personal growth. But he's just let Gina down in the exact same way that he let little Lawrence down <laughs> at the beginning of the film. Like, it's the exact same thing. She'd be like, this is exactly what you did to your cousin. Like, you promised you'd do something and then at the last minute just bailed for no reason to go do something else that you thought was more important. They have a month-long itinerary planned. They've got all these appointments and places they're supposed to be say- staying yeah. and people they're supposed to be seeing. And he is just... At the very last possible moment, yeah, let everyone down. <laughs> he's got, he's holding his bags, and he's like, "Psych, I'm just <laughs> going to walk back into the house." Bye. So he goes to Montana at the ranch. An auction is taking place of basically all of their worldly possessions, right? Because they're just trying to drum up some money so that they can leave the ranch with mm-hmm. a, a little bit of cash in hand. <laughs> and at this point, <laughs> Big Lawrence realizes that he has the key to saving the ranch Mm. and this revelation comes about in the most bizarre left turn like reversing into the plot device (laughs) 
kind of way that it possibly could. So what's happening is they're going through a trunk full of old school stuff. This is how we know that little Lawrence at one point... At one point could read. At one point (laughs) was schooled and could read. They're going through it and big Lawrence goes, old school stuff. Yeah. Oh, what's this? An exam. Uh, Mm. Yeah, I did an exam. (laughs) The last exam I did. Oh, uh, yeah. It was about land trusts. Wait, land trusts. That reminds me, I've devoted at least a year to learning about land trusts. That reminds me of land trusts. That reminds me that I know all about land deals of the kind mm. that would really help this ranch right now. <laughs> and it's, so he he races to the... He, he's unable to get his truck out because it's been backed in. Yeah. So he jumps onto Black Lightning. Yeah. And he races across the fields. Yes. And he horse drifts his horse through the window of the bank <laughs> and he rolls and he runs up to the bank manager and he says wait you can't foreclose on this on the ranch because i know about land trust and the bank manager says what grade did you get in your land trust exam <laughs> well it, it was, was a d i don't know anything about was, land trust actually yeah it was a d but um i don't know if you know what uh, d stands for my friend, in academic circles, I think you'll find it stands for delightful reading, dude. He looks the bank manager square in the eyes and he says, how about making a difference in someone's life? Yeah. And, and the bank manager says, I'll think about it. Which is exactly yeah. what I would say if I wanted someone to leave my office. <laughs> <laughs> he says to him, look, there is a flock of wild horses on this land. Yeah. Flock is probably the wrong word. There is a flock of wild horses <laughs> on this land. It's yeah. a swarm once they've killed someone. <laughs> A murder of wild horses. <laughs> so they've the land trust will purchase the land and they will pay the family to stay on as its caretakers. They won't own the land anymore, but they'll be able to live on it for as long as they want. Yeah. And then the bank manager says, that's not what a land trust is. You don't understand this subject at all. <laughs> that's not what happens, but that is that should be what happens because yes. he doesn't understand yes. this subject and, at all. And having had nothing more from the bank manager than... Uh, I'll give it some thought. He then rides back and <laughs> stop the auction. The ranch is saved. The bank manager said he would think about <laughs> now it. Now look, I have to tell you, it's not one hundred percent, but also it is one hundred percent. Put down that a- antique armoire, you <laughs> idiot. <laughs> the day is saved. Okay, yeah. What they've done basically is the equivalent of like putting up a bat box or something, so that a th- you know a building can't be demolished. Because it technically has a, a bat, bat lives there. A bat lives there. Or something. <laughs> did you do any research on land trusts, Andy? Because I did. No. Why do you do okay. these things? What I did was um, I did a little bit of googling, and I basically ended up on MontanaLandTrusts.org. Ooh. And they have an FAQ page. I won't go into all of the detail because um, it's exceptionally dry. <laughs> uh, but the Montana Association of Land Trusts, or MALT, created in two thousand five. Um, uh, to help maintain a Montana policy Wait. climate. Created in 2005. This movie is from 1999. Yeah, so it's possible that land trusts in Montana changed significantly. <laughs> After this movie. <laughs> this movie, they had Everyone to, was they like, had buy to, my ranch, you idiots. There's a bat. close some loopholes. <laughs> I won't read you the whole Q&A because it's all about Montana land trusts and it's very dry, but I just will read you the beginning of point nine Q&A. The question is, can anyone start a land trust? And the answer begins, not really. <laughs> so, I mean, 
There's no epilogue to this film, but we have to assume it involves the family sat in the bank being told that <laughs> Joey Lawrence has misunderstood land trusts. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, God. Um, And you know what? Like, that is it, basically. That's horse sense. Um, How did this film get... Who came up with the idea? They were like, we'll make a film about land trusts. Like, how does does that even... Where does that even come from? (laughs) And it wraps up so quickly. All this land trust stuff is in literally the last 10 minutes of the film. It's got... Like you, Lucky Dog, there's a 10-minute legal... Um, <laughs> yeah, ten minute legal third act that wraps everything up super quickly. Um, I thought that this film, I mean, like all decoms, was basically rubbish. Though I have to say, uh, the Lawrence brothers are so watchable, right? Yeah, I, I give, I give the Lawrence brothers a hard time, but they are, they are brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> like Joey Lawrence is great in this. Andrew Lawrence is great in this. Uh, they elevate yeah, as the you say, They're incredibly watchable. There is another. Um, Lawrence Brothers decom that I'm sure we will get to further down the line called Jumping Ship that has all three of them on it and it is one of my favourite decoms because it is utterly unhinged. Wikipedia so. described, I don't know if you you knew this Andy, because we watched Jumping Ship and then Horse Sense I think mm. but Wikipedia describes Jumping Ship as a direct sequel to Horse Sense I mean it's not they're playing completely different characters Jumping Ship film Jumping Ship is the 2001 sequel to the 1999 decom Horse Sense. Yeah, they are. It's Michael They're and... Michael and Tommy again. It's Michael and Tommy. Okay, so... What? Yes, no. Okay, so to summarise, you've seen Horse Sense. Let me tell you that in the sequel to Horse Sense, both cousins end up shipwrecked on a desert island with a gang of smugglers. But also... And a third cousin who, who showed up from nowhere but was in the airport. He's not He's not a cousin. He's the boat captain who's oh, yeah. unrelated to them. That's right. That's right. I mean, look, we're at risk of, of getting too deep okay. into jumping ship right. here. But just know, if you have watched Horse Sense, you'll probably feel like you've wasted your time. And in a way you have, but it is it does have a sequel. It where is required co- reading yeah. for jumping ship, which yeah. is utterly bonkers. That's not next time, though, is it, Andy? What no. is next time? Next time, we're going with a Disney Channel original movie that does feature a mum that can't cook, yeah. so no one can hold that against us. Yeah, so get off our case. The film we will be watching is The 13th Year. I will read you the synopsis from Disney+. Plus. Yes, please. As he approaches his 13th birthday, Cody gets scales and fins, begins to breathe underwater, and communicates with fish. Can he find the secret behind this phenomenon? And if you watch The 13th Year, um, the only thing you need to know, in addition to that being your homework, is do not stop when you see the end credits. Oh, yeah, because there's a bit of music. We're going to be devoting at least 20 minutes to the dis- discussion of the bizarre of the theme song, thing yeah. that happens musically when the end credits begin. So just yeah. be aware of that. So okay. either watch either watch the thirteenth year, or if you if you'd prefer, you don't have to watch it. You can just listen to us uh, yeah. recap it for you. Yeah. Maybe that's the way that you like to enjoy this podcast, and that's that's totally fine as it's well. It's entirely possible. We've uh, in, in in fact, let's move on to a little bit of uh, feedback because it's been really really uh, awesome. You folks have been flooding flooding the inbox. Imagine our delight and surprise to find that the podcast is popular and people <laughs> want to Somehow. engage with Disney Channel original movies and us. 
uh, and write us um, lovely messages. So thank you so much, everyone who wrote in. There were a lot of messages. Um, it was tough to pick a few, but uh, I have picked a few for a sort of mailbag. Andy, would you like to hear, hear a few? Great, I would love to, yeah. Uh, well, Jen writes in to say, um, on the subject of You Lucky Dog, can we talk about the unmistakable correlation between You Lucky Dog and Knives Out in the opening scenes? Rianne Johnson has a lot to thank this movie for. I did actually, that did also occur to me watching watching it. That sort of the opening sequence and the way that the murder mystery is set up is very knives it's very out. Very knives out. Do, we, uh, do you think that Rian Johnson has watched You Lucky Dog? I mean, I think we have to assume yes. And he was Not just watched, thought, but stolen. <laughs> stolen wholesale. Yeah, <laughs> thought to himself, oh, I could steal this. But what if it weren't a dog, it was Chris Evans. Jen says, um, of Lucky Dog, of You Lucky Dog. Uh, of the two so far, my favourite. So, you <laughs> lucky dog. Wow. What's wrong with Smart bar. House? Speaking Smart of you lucky dog, here's a theory uh, from Anon. Thank you for your email. Who says, I think they seem to be trying for a heartfelt plot about an orphaned kid who lost his best friend and closed off his psychic gift from the pain only oh. to find himself opening up again and thus learning how to live thanks to Lucky, which I think very neatly encapsulates the sort of character arc that you lucky dog completely misses. <laughs> it's a very generous reading of the film. <laughs> in that the film would be good if this were true. And like, yes, it would be if that were ever hinted at or communicated <laughs> in the film You Lucky Dog. Yeah, I think like uh, that's another one of those things where if you suggested it to the writers, they would be like, oh, yeah. Oh, but there's no film. There's no film left. <laughs> we ran out of DVDs. Tyler <laughs> says, I didn't get the Disney Channel growing up, so most of the DCOMs are new to me in all their auspicious glory. I did, however, live very close to the filming of High School Musical and actually went oh. to school with one of the actors who played a member of the basketball team. Oh, that's cool. His personality on screen was surprisingly similar to reality in that he didn't have any speaking parts in the film and he and I never spoke in real life. <laughs> That is very good and interesting, although I will repeat, we're not interested in High School Musical. Yeah, a few people have said, like, are you sure you're it's not a interested good, it's in High good. School Musical? And yes. Yeah, we're not. And Jamie writes in to say, for a brief moment, I was almost convinced to watch Smart House, then later realised that if I did, I may accidentally tell someone I've done so. Since we are no longer in a lockdown, this could ruin my entire brittle social life. Um, yeah, well, imagine launching a podcast that is basically telling everyone that you've watched Smart House. Look. That's the whole point of the podcast, right? So that you don't have to talk about this with people who with people who don't get it. Yeah, I thought I thought maybe we'd get away with it even launching a podcast and then it turns up in the iTunes charts next to Quentin Tarantino's podcast and then he's probably looking at the charts himself and he's like, "Oh, I see Andy and Luke have watched Smart House." So now Quentin Tarantino knows. <laughs> yeah. So thanks a lot. Kermode and Mayo, they're also in the top 5. A film yeah. critic I respect enormously, Mark Kermode. I hope to one day be in his orbit and now he knows I've watched all the decoms. <laughs> he knows that you've watched them and has no respect for you now. Um well, if you want to help keep us uh in the eyeline of people we enormously respect and who we don't want to know that we're doing this the best way to do it is to write a review for us a positive review hopefully um on itunes so many of yeah. you have already and we really appreciate that um did you know that stickers are fun for all has given us a five-star review andy and writes zero out of ten the mum in smart house was both not a mum and was an excellent cook <laughs> <laughs> that's that is a fair that's a, that's fair, a point. fair point but as i say we're getting to it there will be. <laughs> we'll get to a bad cooking mum and Ewan Morse, um, thank you for your uh, review, who uh, has, has written, this is the sort of conversation that you would have in the pub, but it's actually as funny as you remember it, rather than just fevered ramblings of the dispossessed <laughs> proletariat. <laughs> 
So yeah, thank you so much for all your reviews. You can get in touch with the podcast at momcantcookpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this and you want to represent and you do want to tell the world that you watch DCOMs and listen to this podcast, we have merch, official merch. Where can people find that, Andy? Uh, if they go to momcantcookstore.com, they can find uh, all sorts of cool apparel. Yep. Stickers. Posters. 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 Of kickbutt video, video screens. You put that on the wall of your smart house. <laughs> so. Pat will floor absorb it ASAP. Yeah. So, yeah, check it out. As we said earlier, the film we'll be talking about in two weeks' time is The 13th Year, yeah. which is where the fish boy in the theme song comes from. Yeah, so, so we've got a mum who can't cook and we're ticking off some of the intro lyrics. So nah, Just absolutely classic decom. You're welcome. Enjoy it, folks. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.